Over at the Never Heard of It podcast, we've spent the last four years criticizing people's films and talking about how they could have made them better. Well, you know what? Now it's time to put your money where our mouth is. That's right. The Never Heard of It podcast and Night Shift Radio are making a movie. We are making a brand new sci-fi thriller called Somnium. Somnium is the tale of a brand new app, something kind of like TikTok, where people are able to watch others' dreams, everyone's dreams, anonymously across the world. However, our main character, Adam, starts to see dreams that look all too familiar, including dreams of somebody murdering him. So the question is, who is dreaming of murdering Adam? That's the question we look to answer in our brand new film, Somnium, but we need your help. We need your help in funding so we can pay the amazing crew and the amazing cast of this brand new film. Head to nightshiftradio.com somnium. Donate what you can, and if you can't, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Someone out there is going to be a rich weirdo that's going to want to fund this film. So again, nightshiftradio.com somnium. Thank you so much, guys. We look forward to making this movie just for you. Sarah Sweeney. That always comes out weird. I I always feel like I say that like, "Welcome to Latchkey Kids." Like I'm um, I'm on. Hello, you're listening to WNYC. You know what I'm saying? I can't. Welcome to La. I'm your host. I'm your host. Whatever. Hi, I'm at my mom's. I'm in Rhode Island. I rented a car for my annual drive. It'd been like five months since I'd seen my own mother. Like many of you, I haven't seen family or friends or anybody in my entire life in months and months and months. So it was time. I got a test. I tested negative. Here we are. I got in a I got in a, a budget rental car, and I love I love getting into a car and saying to myself, like it's a commercial, the all new 2021 base model Dodge. The 2021 Toyota, with already 57,000 miles on it. The all-new compact Nissan, with a windshield affixed with duct tape. Anyway, it's so it's fun. You never know what you're going to step into. And uh, I always go for the cheapest option, because why pay $200 uh, when you can pay $185 to go, you know, 170 miles to your mom's house in Rhode Island? Before anybody outside of the city of New York scoffs at the cost here, Every single rental car place in and around the New York City area knows that we don't drive. They know we're trapped. So all them prices are jacked up to 11. And uh, it sucks, but it seems a hell of a lot safer than getting on public transportation situation because, you know, you keep your loved ones safe. Anyway, I'm delighted to be here. I'm, I'm here for a couple of weeks and uh, I'm talking to you from under a quilt. Because that's how the professionals do it. What else? If you listened last week or two weeks ago, we had a we had a bye week the week before. Um, I did a, a a table read, a Zoom table read of a screenplay, which was just delightful, and it went really well. So that's a thing. Anyway, let's get right into this episode. Uh, Tim Long, who's a real life friend of mine, and I'm delighted he made the time to be on this show because, you know, the, he's a busy guy really busy guy. Um, and he's an absolute delight. And you'll hear all about how wonderful he is. And just uh, how about right now? <laughs> Hi there, Sarah. It's such a delight to see you. Hi. And you. I've written a little intro and it's and it's very complimentary. Are you are you ready? So I just have to stand by and listen to it like a chump? You have to listen. Okay. You have to listen. Go ahead. Our guest today on Latchkey Kids is responsible in part for huge swaths of your childhood entertainment and adulthood, too, for sure. Executive producer 
consulting producer, writer, story editor, lyricist even. Tim Long has worked on The Simpsons since Bill Clinton was in office. He also was Letterman's head writer on The Late Show for a Spell, and most recently he wrote the feature film The Exchange. Please meet my internet stranger turned real life friend, Tim Long. Hi, how are you? Hi. So nice to see you. Uh, you've been you've been you've shown Herculean patience with me. Did Hercules have a lot of patience? I don't know, but you've you've, <laughs> you've had uh, you've shown a great deal of patience. I've rescheduled, and then uh, I was a little late today, and then I was a I was a persnickety bitch about getting onto your platform. So I thank, have an thank, iPad. Meh, meh, meh. Thank you for being so sweet. Um, you know, when people give me some bullshit link that I have to deal with, that's not that's not I, some mainstream thing. I get fucking pissed off. I get, you know what? And I've just become that guy. I can see it sometimes when I'm complaining about things. Like, for example, if someone sends me a slightly uh, off-brand link or something, and then uh, I get, I, I'm like, oh, I can't do this. How do I do this? Ah. And then I can see the people looking at each other, thinking, oh, oh, he is being a bit of a c-word right now. He's being a bit of a b-word. He's being just that guy. British Columbian? Yeah, I've been. I'm being British Columbian. The people of Vancouver and, and Victoria and Kamloops, famously difficult. These aren't real places. By the way, before we, do you need me to record anything, or is it recording automatically? If you have like your phone hanging around and you just want to do your voice memo thing on your side, because that well, I've, I've got voice memo on my iPad. Just to remind you that I have an iPad. Do you have an iPad? I do. I do. What other incredible electronics do you have? I well, I have a combination DVD VHS machine. Whoa. So I have all okay. Literally, a, a voice battle was being recorded right now. So I can meet all of your voice memo and recording needs. There we go. Um, can you hear my cat? Uh, yes, I can. Meowing. She's very upset. I got the two cats from my ex-wife yesterday, and one of them is happy as a clam, and one of them is severely pissed off because she likes she misses my ex-wife. Is it Binks who's pissed off? No, Sophie's pissed off. Binks loves. It's weird. We have two cats, and they clearly have favorites. Binks is sort of a little bit more my cat. And Sophie is definitely more Miranda's cat. And Sophie right now is not happy. She's not having it. Yeah, she's not having it. Which is which is a little insulting. My mom just adopted a cat on Friday. Mm. And I'm so absurdly excited about this. Oh, that's like, great. Like she's just had a baby and I'm the grandmother who's demanding <laughs> photos. Oh, that's so cute. What's the kitty's name? Her name is um, TBD at this point, but maybe Gracie. Gracie, that's a great old-fashioned name for a cat. Yeah, cats need, need old-fashioned old lady names. It's true. It's funny. I like that we have these two cats and that we follow two completely different schools of nomenclature. <laughs> like, Binks is a very kitty name. And Sophie's just sounds like, again, sounds like one of the Golden Girls. My sister's name is Mary Melody, but my parents had never seen the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Oh, that took me a second to catch up because I think of them as Looney Tunes. Yeah, it used to be called... It, it, all of the old Bugs Bunny cartoons used to be packaged under the names either Looney Tunes or Merry Melodies. Right. Tell me more about the old days. Well, a piece of saltwater taffy was half a cent per pound. <laughs> and we used to walk down to the boardwalk and hold hands with our best gal before shipping off to fight the Nazis. <laughs> Good to see you, Tim. <laughs> Good to see you too, Sarah. It's funny how quickly you become old. I remember feeling like... I was always, okay, this is all, I've just decided that the theme of this 
uh, podcast is just incredibly mild brags from me. Yeah, ready. Uh, okay. What I skipped... else is new? Okay, so oh, come on. I skipped a grade when I was a kid, so I was always the youngest person around. So mm-hmm. I felt good about that, and then I was which grade young. did you skip? I skipped the fourth grade. Oh wow! And then and the weird thing is, they never told me. I showed up for class for fourth grade, and then they one day they said, "You and a couple other kids, you come over to this other class." And then we just sat there for a while and realized, oh, we're in the fifth grade now. And then they told my parents like a month later, it's like, yeah, we decided to put him in the fifth grade. Or as we, as we called it, grade five. In Canada, yeah, in Canada, we call it grade five. There's so many, there, it's a whole. <laughs> it's a whole other mysterious. thing. Mysterious. Mm-hmm. Beyond that northern border. Yeah, the hinterlands of the continent. Yes. So, um, what's also weird? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go. What's weird is that where I grew up, where I primarily spent my childhood in Exeter, Ontario, um, is is uh, located in the part of Ontario that sort of dips down. So, even though the border of America and Canada is is for the most part the 49th parallel, mm-hmm. we were at a much lower longitude. I think it's longitude. So, for example, my town was south of Boston. And also south of, uh, definitely south of Duluth by a fur piece, um, maybe even south of Minneapolis. Wow. If you look at a map, and I encourage your listeners to do so, you'll see. Editors note, I like to make a joke pretty often that I went to public school, so therefore I don't know where things are in, in America. And uh, I, I looked at a map. Tim is not messing around. That I'm not, that I'm telling you no word of a lie. I believe you. I've been to Duluth. But I also have been to public school, so neither of these things are helping me add <laughs> this up. Oh, shit. See? See? I say that a lot. Wait a second. Public school means like non... Because in Britain, public school means private school. That don't make no sense. I know. It's crazy. I went to a... We went to, I went to the school in my little town. There was a, a high school and an elementary school side by side across a field. And it was about a 15-minute walk or 25 minutes if it were a blizzard. But the I and they were just solid public schools funded by local property taxes. And the idea that we would go anywhere else, like to a paid school, was bonkers. We never even thought about going somewhere else. There she is. I can there see her is. in the background. She's really going bananas. And I don't know what to do. Maybe I should summon her and make her part of this. Can you see her? Um, she just passed by two seconds ago. <laughs> okay. All right. You're, I'm in your earpods though, so she wouldn't hear if I'm like. But yet you can hear her through my earpods. Yeah. Okay. How was your day? Isn't it blizzarding there? Oh yeah. So we got a uh, 13 inches of snow according to the internet. Good lord. And that was hours ago, and it's not meant to stop until like, well, beyond the length of my weather app's ability. It's like until at least what? tomorrow, 7 p.m., we're still getting snow. That's a bad weather. So this weather. will be our last conversation. <laughs> well, I, I think that um, if that's the case, then I just want to say that our friendship has really been a lovely thing. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. Agreed. I've, got, I've, gotten a lot of, I've gotten a lot out of it. I've laughed. I've cried. Have you cried? I've, eat, I've eaten a pork chop once. Oh, yeah. We had we had a meal together. That was really nice. A couple, a couple of times. You're my first. Uh, you're my first guest who's who's a real life friend. Oh, really? That's nice. 
That makes me yeah, happy. Everybody else is all strangers. Everyone else is virtual. Everyone else is CGI. I mean, I just pick them up. Ah, okay. It's a worthy um, endeavor. It's a worthy endeavor. This podcast. It's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So we're just talking about the snow and I found a quote on the internet and I assume because it was on IMDb, it's probably true. Okay. Um, you, you once said, I miss the snow. American snow is like American healthcare, sporadic, unreliable, and distributed unevenly among the population. Ooh. Are you missing the magic of the blizzard right now? I remember I said that uh, I was asked to do, to contribute to this little uh, thing on the New York Times opinion page by Canadians on Canadian on Canada Day, two thousand nine, and a bunch of people like Malcolm Gladwell and Rick Moranis and Kim Cattrall, and me unaccountably, we were all asked what we missed about Canada, and I wrote that. Um, so, and then the 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 thing is, and I thought, oh my god, I'm going to get so many hosannas from Canadians because I'm on the opinion pages of the New York Times, and almost universally, people said, well, if you like it so much, why don't you fucking come back? <laughs> Which I think was a really good point. They were not up for my sentimentality, especially Canadians are not super sentimental about the snow. They consider it a huge pain in the ass. I mean, it is because it is. It is. I mean, it's 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 kind of magical. You can sort of abide it from. I mean, where I grew up, it wasn't unusual to get a storm like in early November. Uh, And then it's pretty good up until Christmas because it's usually kind of very fluffy white. And a white Christmas, who doesn't love that? But then from January to say April, oh my God, it's, you get tired of it's it. It's filthy and it's spirit destroying and car destroying too. Cause they throw you know, salt, they shot so much salt out of the road and it just rots your car. I grew up in New England and I drove cumulatively for probably 18 months in my whole life. And driving in the snow is the most terrifying thing on the planet. So it is. I'm, I'm with the Canadians on this. I remember with your people. I remember one time I have so I have vivid, vivid memories. One time I drove, I, my little town was called Exeter. It was like 4,000 people. And my, like I was a senior in high school and I had to go to the, this is how cool I was. I had to go to the podiatrist every month. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but the podiatrist was like an hour away in London, Ontario. So my mother said, well, you're old enough to go to your podiatrist appointment after school. So she gave me like 10, $10 and then I drove to, to London, Ontario, but at some point I went into town and I went to the podiatrist and he said, we have to refit your orthotics. And then I went to Mc- sexy. It was sexy. Yeah. And then I went to McDonald's by myself and I was like, this is the greatest thing. Cause McDonald's was a real treat. And then I went to see Jonathan Debbie's something wild, which is one of my favorite movies. And on the way home, I was sort of in a reverie about what a great day this has been. And then I lost control of the car and oh I checked cause it was a, it was a big thing thick snowflakes that were coming down and I realized I couldn't I was hitting the brakes and I did it was just I was just slowly spinning slowly spinning and I just thought oh I could die but or I might live <laughs> either way I don't have any control so I just sort of like it's one of the few times I felt like I left my body and then I just came to I just stopped in a snowbank and then miraculously I stopped I waited for a moment and then hit the gas and I got out and so I just have very that's one of the most vivid memories of my life and like almost all of my most vivid memories, I was alone. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that I don't know what to do me. with that. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it either. But you know, like it wasn't like a really, I don't know, just there's some certain kind of like days that just stick with you. If I were to pick out like the seven emblematic days of my life, that would definitely be one of them. 
mean, I have I have dreams that I had as a child that I remember now, and oh, I yeah. think about them like like the backyard has turned into some sort of lagoon, and my grandparents are there, and we're just at the wow. edge looking into the yeah, and and it it creeps me out sometimes because it's like oh yeah that time that magic. <laughs> I've been having I I have this ongoing thing with nightmares where I I have these nightmares where I've been accused of something like I murdered somebody and I have those are yes. you going to prison I am and I but I I'm sentenced and then I'm put in jail and then uh, and I'm like oh boy and I'm a worldwide pariah for the murders I committed and right. then I wake up and I but I I weirdly you know like it takes you a while to realize your dream wasn't true Mm-hmm. So I have this partial moment where I wake up and I'd be like, oh, thank God it's not true. I definitely murdered someone, but the trial hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and that's and I get to that point. It's like, OK, there's still hope, but I'm still pretty anxious. And then I realize, wait a second. It didn't happen at all. Can that be true? So that's. Do you wonder if it's happened on like a different plane of the universe? No, I just think that yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a self-torturing goon. Oh, that makes sense. That yeah. checks out more. Yeah, exactly. Um, I started taking melatonin, and my dreams are cinematically intense. Oh, seriously? Now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I don't do the drugs, but I feel like melatonin is my my way into LSD or something. That's the thing that people take when they have trouble to uh, when they're anxious, right? Or, or... yes, Tim. What's the problem? <laughs> uh, believe me, I'm on a bunch of drugs now, so don't. I'm not judging you at all, but like it's sort of it's a it's a sleep aid. It's a natural yeah. herbal. Or as we say in Canada, herbal. Herbal. Sleep aid. Yeah, I don't know if it works or not. It's Zequil and it tastes like fucking candy. It's so good. Really? It's They're good. Little, it's so, little it's gummies. Is that it? And it's not prescription, is it? You can just get it over the counter? You, you'd have it delivered to <laughs> Target by tomorrow. Really? That's fun. Okay. And it's working yeah. for you. And it's putting, and it's your, it's just, is it just, is it sort of just a mild muscle relaxant or something? Who knows? I just know it tastes like candy, and then I go to sleep, and then mm-hmm. I have hyper intense dreams. And wow. Then, uh, okay. And then, uh, so who knows if I'm even actually sleeping? <laughs> you are because look... the, the dream state is is just the the tip of the iceberg of sleeping. You look well rested. Oh, you're you're adorable and kind and a liar. You live in L.A. <laughs> I'm not a liar. I'm just telling you what the, <laughs> what what I perceive. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about The Simpsons because everybody wants to know about The Simpsons. Okay, Simpsons cartoon on Fox Network. Uh, Is it? Yeah. Uh, I have. I have. Uh, you. You've worked on. I, I tallied this up today. I spent some time on IMDb just okay. today. We've there's only lot, had this setup. I think there's a lot wrong with my IMDb, by the way. I would imagine. I mean, because I don't take it that seriously, but people are always like, "Your I like you can hire companies to clean up your IMDb," but mine is all kinds of fucked up. There's there, for a while there were two Tim Longs. Well, can I tell you something a little embarrassing? Yes. And this is this is edging into adult content, but you'll you'll forgive me. There used to be this guy. This is a family show. I know, I know, but but you can acknowledge the existence. Okay. So this is going way back, but there the first ever like super mainstream pornographic film was called yeah. Deep Throat. And yes. yeah, and it was real, and people and people just decided, well, now we all love porn. Like famously, like Jacqueline Onassis went to see it and was photographed going in because people were all like, we're gonna, we're all about porn now. Of course, nobody realized at the time that the star of the movie, this woman who went by the name of Linda Lovelace, was basically a hot, like did the movie under duress 
and it was just a horrible situation. But people thought they were being really cool when they went and saw that movie, and it made it. It's like one of the top grossing movies of 1972. Anyway, I bring all that up because the star, the female lead of the movie was named Liz, Linda Lovelace, and the fem- and the male lead was called, and forgive me for saying these words, Harry Reams. That was, sure. his, that was his gnome to porn. Um, but it wasn't his, like a lot of people, it, these guys who like come up with porn names, they, they test drive a few. And his porno name before Harry Reams was Tim Long. Oh, no. He came up with the name Tim Long. And I think he even did a few pornos under the name Tim Long. So if you look it up, I think I'm Tim Long too. And the first guy... <laughs> is this incredibly sleazy character who acted in Deep Throat. I mean, I like the idea of you having to clear up your your internet persona and reputation, just like, no, no, it's a different Tim Long. It's a Long. different guy, yeah. 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 It, he if it makes me... you feel any better, I'm, I'm Sarah Sweeney 8. Are you kidding me, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, if I tell, I tallied up all the things, which apparently are completely wrong. Um, but you've allegedly worked on 494 episodes of The Simpsons that in sounds some right. capacity. That sounds yeah. right. 30 of which you wrote along with a whole bunch of song lyrics? Yeah, tons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you sing? Yes, I can sing. Well, I'm, a, I'm an amateur, amateur chanteur. I'm no, I'm no Maurice Chevalier, though <laughs> to give you a little preview, you know, the thing that you're rare amongst podcast hosts in the sense that you assign homework. Okay. And I have... I'm sorry? No, it's good. And uh, I, I don't think I'm not giving anything away by saying that you asked your guests to come up to do a dramatic reading of a TV theme song. Correct. And I have a, one prepared, and we were debating whether I should sing it or I should recite it. Okay, so to answer your question, I'm not a, I'm not a singer... Although I'm great at karaoke. So I guess I am a singer. But I've never... What's your karaoke go-to? Either Stan or... Uh, although that's become a little too popular. And you need you kind of need someone else to sing with you. Um, Bust a Move by Young MC. Uh-huh. Or uh, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass. Brandy. You're a wears fine... Wears a beaded chain and a Made of the finest, finest, finest silver from the north of, north of Spain. That's a good one. It is a really good one. And and I was telling this to somebody recently. I think I was talking about that song. I think it was Nell Scovell said, well, the, the guy singing is clearly gay. Like anybody who's like, she's throwing herself at him. And he's like, I'm sorry, but my love, my life, and my lady is the sea. Is the sea. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's a funny <laughs> way to say, like, I'm not buying what you're selling, lady. And then he follows it up with do, 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 do. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah. You've just opened up a whole new world for that song for me. I love that song so much. And I really belt it too. Mine is mine is Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Oh, seriously? Okay. That's awesome. Do you Which, need um, do, you, do, you, do you do you deliver it uh while sitting the wrong way on a chair like Michelle Pfeiffer in the video? You mean correctly? <laughs> but remember at the beginning of the she's the star of that movie. I can't remember what it was called. What is that song called? Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds, right. Okay, so she's she plays the the kind of the white savior lady who comes into the hood and fixes yeah. everything. So at the beginning of the video, she's in the video, but the hilarious thing is she comes into the room, sits the wrong way on the chair, and then says, you want to tell me what this is all about? Editors note, I don't remember this, but Tim is absolutely correct. 
And then cool and then Coolio raps at her for five minutes, but and she just shows she just looks at him really seriously. But in real shooting time, that was taking like four days. Well, Coolio was rapping right in her face and probably spitting right in her face. And Michelle Pfeiffer was arguably like the biggest female star in the world. She, she doesn't have time for that. It was star studded. Biggie was there. Was Biggie in that? I'm pretty sure. Did he sing been spending most of the time? Most of my life living in That was Biggie? I may need to fact check this. I don't think it was yeah. Biggie because Biggie was all about the East Coast and Coolio was from LA. Relations were not cordial. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up after. Find out who it was. I might be wrong. I could be wrong, but I'd be surprised. I want you to be wrong because I hate the idea that like my one go-to karaoke <laughs> song I don't even have a full grasp on. Hey, guess what? I looked it up and I am totally wrong. It is another quite large rapper gentleman who goes by LV. He was born Larry Sanders. Anyway, I feel like a fucking idiot. But so, but when you sing it, do you sing both parts? One would have to. Okay, because that's that's my problem with with uh, with Stan because I love spitting out the lyrics, but uh, but then you get to the oh, title. you're talking to Eminem, Stan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh wow! In my mind, I assumed this was some '70s folk song. I didn't know. Uh, we would. Uh, but then you get to the dido part, and it's I wouldn't deliver that as well. You need a slightly more dulcet voice. Can Wait, I tell how you? How does that go? Uh, huh? The dido part? No, no. The how does it open? Dear Slim, you might have, that, yeah. He, then he tells he's, it's him reciting a fan letter. Right, you right, still right. Like, oh, how fucked up are you? I remember when that song came out. Brian Kelly, who's still on The Simpsons, and I wrote a parody of it called Spam. It was from the perspective of, I can't remember, there were three three characters. Because in the movie, in the song, the three characters are Slim, Stan, and Kim. Who ends Stan, up in a trunk. Who no? ends up in a trunk. In our, in our parody of, uh, of Spam, the four, four characters, there was the Spam, the Spices, <laughs> because, you know, sp- sp- Spam is spiced ham. The, the Goo, because Spam is is kind of like encased in goo and the can and then i remember i don't remember what the lyrics were i want but i know that the one lyric was how spiced up are you that was all i remember after the break we'll hear more from tim about the scripting process at the simpsons his upcoming movie the exchange and i don't want to give too much away but a bilingual dramatic reading of a tv show theme song stay tuned Mindless monsters, once thought human, fill the streets. A corrupt government threatens the lives of the people it's meant to serve. This sounds a little too familiar. Is this real life? Or a video game you can play for fun? Shift Alt Q, Night Shift Radio's newest original production, is your LGBTQ centered source for creative and thoughtful discussions and news at the intersection of gaming, diversity, and community. You can expect unboxings, game reviews, let's plays, community nights, celebrations of what video games are doing right, critical conversations about where the gaming industry needs to do better, and so much more. Be the first to know when new episodes drop by following us on Twitter and Instagram at NSR Shift Alt Q. And on Twitch at Shift Alt Q to join the community. For more information about Shift-Alt-Q, visit nightshiftradio.com. 
Michael Fight, and I'm here with a brand new show called Fight Jokes About Everything. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to bring up a brand new topic, something that's hot on the internet because, because I live on the internet. And we're going to take those silly things and we're going to joke about them and we're going to, you know, talk a little bit about the history of them and talk about why the internet is such a terrible but wonderful place. So please join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for this brand new Night Shift Radio original. For more information, go to nightshiftradio.com and of course, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. How do you get to this point? I mean, like, is it just I have an idea that's ridiculous? Who's with me? I think so. And of course, you know, there's, it's a given that that will never be on the show. It's just a weird digression in the room. And then someone says it. And then it's not that uncommon for people to, to pitch a dumb song idea. And then we go like, OK, we we can't use that for the show. Let's keep going on the script. And then five minutes later, someone pitches something not for the script but for the dumb song idea from five minutes ago and then that be- that becomes like the major digression of the day but it never ends up in the episode one out of 200 times but what how are you gonna break oh my gosh how are you gonna put spam the parody of stan in the simpsons i mean i guess you well could. i mean look at every episode of the simpsons it starts one way and then it veers off to the left and you never see it coming and then somehow it all makes sense i guess that's true although i think that's rarer than it used to be it used to be like a, a completely unrelated set piece but maybe because that fell out of fashion or maybe because we have a little less time per show than we used to over the years uh just like the amount the cumulative time devoted to commercials has increased like in the 60s like if you watch a 60s sitcom if you watch like bewitched or something the running time is somewhere between 24 to maybe even 26 minutes yeah there weren't that many commercials at all although there were enough to support the show um now i think the average episode of the simpsons is maybe even less than 22 minutes and 22 is kind of modern standard no it is modern standard but like the this like the, the problem is that like They'll take 10 seconds away to sell a little more ad space. And then once they take it away, you'll never get it back. And it's weird because, I mean, it's, I think it's the, the kind of the ultimately self-defeating strategy that network television has adopted, which is, oh, we're losing audience share to streaming services and cable services that don't have commercials. And so we need to figure out a way to make more money. So we sell more ads. We devote more time to the ads. But that, that alienates our viewers who then spend more time watching streaming and premium, premium cable. Would, would, I mean, I know this isn't what you do for a living, but why doesn't The Simpsons move over to like Netflix or something? Because it could be a 28 minute show. You could do whatever length of time. Oh, that's, you want. that's, that's business stuff. Um, partly because. Why, Tim? Why? I don't know. I mean, it's been on the Fox <laughs> Network forever and it's a pillar of the Fox Network and it's been used to, to promote and establish umpteen shows. Umpteen, I say, over the years. Umpteen, which, so, yes. yes. And so, and also, it's just, it's a show that's just always had commercials in it. I think it'd be weird if it didn't have a commercial in it. But I mean, I'm not saying it, it'll never happen because, of course, now our production company is Disney. And so, theoretically, they could put the show on anywhere. But I, I don't, I can't imagine it won't be on the Fox network, at least for the foreseeable future. Hmm. Yeah. How does it work like, like the process of concocting a plot? getting it to a script form and then shoving it into the living room of millions of Americans around. <laughs> it's, it's, inc- it's, it's incredibly arduous, maybe unnecessarily arduous, but it, I mean, it all starts with somebody having an idea 
um, we should do this. Homer becomes the race car driver or whatever, just to pick a random hypothetical example. Um, and at least on our show, and I think on most shows, you're encouraged not just to say something like that, but you at least have to come to the room saying like, here's like, you have to have at least like kind of an eight to 10 minute spiel of like, starts like this. And then amazingly, Homer becomes a race car driver for these reasons that are surprising, but yet in retrospect, inevitable. And then here's the fun that, I mean, that's basically what, that's what a good story is, right? That it's surprising and yet makes sense. Those are the two things that you have to reconcile and it's very hard. And then here's all the fun of how Homer's a race car driver and then there's a twist or some sort of hidden comp extra complication that happens, which we would typically call the second act break. And then there's an exciting conclusion. And then we sort of return to the status quo at the end of the show. And so you come in and you pitch that and then everyone's like, great, uh, we love your idea. Now we're gonna tear it apart. And so we spend a couple of days doing what we call breaking the story, where we break it down into scenes and maybe even mini scenes and jokes. And then the person goes off and writes an outline. You bring it back, you tear that apart, you give notes, you write some more jokes, you send the person out to write a script, script, they come back, we're like, great script. And then we change 80% of it, maybe. Oh my uh, goodness. A lot, a lot. I mean, if it's a good script, then the basic architecture of it is the same, though plenty of scripts is it dialogue that gets changed or the storyline? If, 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 if you're lucky, it's just the dialogue. Um, if it's and is it if, just punching up jokes? Yeah, yeah, or or else or sharpening the story or like a lot of it is clarity. Like we're not exactly sure what's happening here, or like we're not exactly sure what this character's attitude is at a point when we really want to make sure that people understand what this character's attitude is. Um, and so there's that, it's sharpening the story and punching up the jokes. And sometimes we are like, we realize, oh crap, this third act isn't working and we have to just kind of think for a second and rewrite the entire third act or whatever. It's, it's, and it's also not unusual just to rethink the whole story at some point and do that in the room. And then we take it to table, we do a table read. These days it's a virtual table read. Yeah, it is. It is, yes, because you've been to some. I have. You have. It was and the most glorious day of my life. It was fun, right? Um, those are really good ones, too. That, those are going to be great episodes. Um, and then we record it. And then they do a storyboard. We look at the storyboards and say, These story this particular part of it is great. This part is terrible. And then they do what's called an animatic, which is a black and white version of the show. And that, for some reason, is always a very bumpy stage because we watch it and we realize, oh, this isn't as good as we thought it was. Like the story does, isn't as like popping as we thought it was. And I don't know why it's, that's always a problematic stage, but it's not unusual for us to really rethink a lot of the story at that point. But then once we do, they go off and they do what's called a color, which is, looks very similar to what you see on TV. We get that back and then we can still rewrite a certain amount of that, like a few scenes here and there. We can, just, we can cut and edit and flip the order of things and whatever. And then the show gets... Uh, all the bells and whistles get put on it, the music and the credits and any visual effects. And then we shove it off into the world. It takes a long time. How long? Uh, typically it's a, 10 months to a year. Per episode. That's incredible. But at any given time, like right now we have like at various stages of production from we're just starting to think about this story to we're about to air the story and everything in between. We probably have like 12 episodes in, in, uh, at various levels of gest gestation. It must be kind of hard to like keep track of everything in your brain of what it is. And the nice thing is that there are people, there's lots of different people who uh, 
have that in their minds and are thinking about how to, you know, you think of it as like a big train station and what trains are going to arrive and what trains are about to, uh, are, we're about to head out and which trains need maintenance and stuff. So that you don't add any, like if I had to list off all the shows we have in, in the pipeline right now, I'd miss a couple, but like we have producers, especially in the, on the production side who wouldn't miss a couple who know who could tell you exactly where they are and at what stage they are. And I could find, and I'm sure there's a, there's a chart somewhere online that I could look at and be like, oh yeah, all these shows, but it's, it's, uh, it's tricky. And it's tricky to think of the administrative part of that and the organizational part of that or making sure everything gets out out the door at the right time. It's, you have to maintain that at the same time you maintain like your childlike joie de vivre, which you, in, <laughs> which you inject into the show. So it's, it's tricky. You have to kind of simultaneously, our job requires us to be both a hard-nosed adult and a precocious child at the same time. A weird balance. I mean, and also... Like when I first started this podcast, I was sort of stressed out about asking the right questions and blah, blah, blah. Right. And I, I found that like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like write that down. Are you constantly like having middle of the night thoughts of like, that's a funny thing. I need to write that down. Um, sometimes. Or, I mean, Christ, I, you've been on the show for since 99. Are you beyond that now? I think about it sometimes. And sometimes it's funny. I will know like if there's something I know I need to think about, I will let it sort of like sit in my brain, but it's not that unusual. My process is always like, okay, we have this story. This is going to be, I'm going to tell you a story, but it's kind of lame because I can't actually tell you what I was thinking about because it's uh, proprietary information. But there was <laughs> a, a, a colleague and I, let's say it was Matt Selman and I were talking about this outline that somebody wrote and we really liked it, but there was a, uh, he was like, there's this one element I don't like that could be better. And so I was like, okay, I'll think about that. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, I got nothing. And then as often happens with me, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go eat some French fries and I'm going to forget about it. But then once you forget about it, there's this magical thing where there's a solution pops in your head. And I was like, oh, we could do that. And then I wrote him and he said, I don't hate that, which is high praise indeed. So <laughs> that's comedy writer for a year that you're a genius. It's like, I don't hate that. <laughs> and so um and so i felt like oh that's that was pretty satisfying so it's funny like the, the the time you spend actually working on the thing and and banging your head against the desk often seems incredibly unproductive but to my eye sometimes all it is is just creating the necessary preconditions for when you give up and then go to dairy queen or wherever and then as you're driving to dairy queen you think of it. It's weird. It's like when you try to like. It's very akin to like when you try to remember a name that you've forgotten. Like who was the and first? And then it comes to you an hour later, right? Oh, like right, who, uh... was the, who was the first baseman for the Baltimore Orioles in 1978? And you're like, God damn it, I can't think of it. And you get super tense, and then you, and then you're and you're like, Oh, I'm so dumb. Is my brain atrophying? Oh, I can't think of it. And then you're like, Well, I guess my brain is atrophying, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm gonna start. I guess I'll just start making a sandwich and prepare for death. And then you're sitting there and you're, you're watching <laughs> professional bowling on television. And then you realize Eddie Murray. And there he is. <laughs> and there he is. And you remember <laughs> his, his giant Afro uh, bulging out from under his baseball cap. <laughs> what I find kind of interesting is, you know, most people jump from job to job every few years. Yep. But you've worked with pretty much the, the same group of people for 
over 20 years. It's like, what keeps you there? You know, other other than bags of money and all the notoriety well, you get on podcasts. Well, those are both super appealing. Um, bags of <laughs> loonies and toonies for this, Cana- <laughs> this Canadian boy will definitely keep me in place. Well, it's not exactly true that it's the same people. Certainly a lot of the same characters are there. Like, but and a lot of people have left and then come back. Like Brian Kelly, I was referring to, like he was on the show and then he left to do some other things and then he came back. And I've been sort of back and forth. I was part time for a while and I'm full time again. Um, but and also, I have to say that like, you know, time marches forward. Like I, I don't mean to bring anybody down, but like uh, over the weekend we were sad, incredibly sad to hear the passing of Mark Wilmore, who used to be our a dear and beloved and hilarious colleague on the Simpsons who passed away on Saturday. So, you know, you know, time stops for no man and no woman. So it's not always, yeah, it was, it was a real blow because we really loved him. Um, But if we can get away from the subject of people passing away, like it's, there's, there's a, one of the things that's especially good about the show, especially lately is when new people come aboard and, they're they get the show they're enthusiastic about the show and they just have a different perspective than we do and that's been especially true recently we've had some and i don't really have anything to do with the hiring process but like there have been four or five new writers lately who have been just i hope they don't hear this because i don't want you i don't want them to think that i like them in any way but i do like them and uh they're all incredibly talented and great and they're younger and uh and, and, and there's bringing new stuff to the table. And so that is one of the things that, um, and I would say that they're disproportionately women, which is a whole other perspective that I think the show might've been lacking for a while. Uh, statistically, right? Statistically, yeah, it's not. Uh, and lately it's just like, you have these, I won't name anybody cause I'll forget somebody, but like we have three or four new women writers who just are killing it. And it's been such a pleasure to, just expand the show that way um and this really great new writer named cesar mesriegos has been killing it he wrote those great episodes that you watched Mm -hmm. um and so like as long as you have these new people like i just love that feeling of like oh i never would have thought of that like sometimes someone pitches something especially in the old days when it was mostly men someone would pitch something i'll be thinking damn why didn't i get to that joke first i could have thought of that but you know there's when people are kind of come from a different background from you it's more common for people to say something and then you realize that's great and i never would have thought of that in a million years i can build i can build on it but that's a whole different bag of gumballs and it's really (laughs) it's just really a good thing so that's one of the things that keeps me coming back and plus you know the show is just a thing that just keeps rolling and it's such a treat to go into the show i feel like i'm feeling more grateful for it lately than ever just because you know we it's been such a such a difficult time for everyone in the last year or so so yeah i I don't i want to just hold on until they give me my walking papers (laughs) i just i just love it i really do that's fabulous you don't you don't hear often that people are like i love my job you know well you know there's always this thing of like well first of all if i if you're a writer for the simpsons and you don't love your job like what's wrong with you right kind of but but i've i've had friends who've worked on i won't say the show but a a beloved show and they're like man it's just another job i think i know people there's a couple of beloved shows out there that people 
really come away with a bad taste in their mouth. And I won't name the shows, but it's, you know, it's like sometimes these large institutions build up and they, they're not people friendly. Uh, but the Simpsons, the Simpsons generally has been. And of course, you know, like any job, you're like, oh, I can't believe I have to wake up to do that. But like, you're always like, there's part of us that's always a little complaining. Or like, I can't believe that lunch was only an hour. Or, or like, I can't <laughs> believe that it wasn't an hour and 10 minutes like it was yesterday. Like, it's not, or I can't believe we didn't stay, stay till 8 p.m. or whatever. Like, you're, Are you comic book guy, like, in your I, heart? I, I'm hearing I'm a, you. I'm a little bit comic book guy. But, like, and so you're, I, I'm just saying that even in the, like, even the, if your job was, like, I love Doritos. But if it was my job to taste test Doritos, I would find something to go, oh, Yes. Oh my God. It's cutting up my mouth. Oh, I hate this. I sure will. I want some, why can't I eat chocolate instead of Doritos? But for the most part, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun gig. And it's like, and if you kind of, and if you come at it every day with, in the spirit of the job and like really thinking about it, there's a tremendous latitude creatively and the people are generally fantastic. So yeah, I am very happy to have the job that I have right now. That's fabulous. That's kind of how I feel about my day job, you know. Oh, sure. And and it's and it's rare. I've never I know that way before. And... I know it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Uh. We met in kind of a. We we became friends in kind of a funny way almost two years ago to the day. Mm-hmm. Um. I had thrown a bachelor party for my friend at Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. Uh huh. And I was sort of. Is this? I remember about? this. Were okay, you, thank so God. You were the, I, I think I was in London, England. Yes. Uh, and I was doing a rewrite, like a rapid, I was I was doing like my 84th draft of the movie that eventually became The Exchange. Um, but, and they had smartly said like, they were, the producers were in England and I wasn't here and we were trading drafts back and forth. And it's very hard to, I mean, even though this is what everyone's doing now, we found it very hard to collaborate that way. And, and my producer smartly said, well, why don't you just come over for a week? And then we could just like, we had a director, this guy named Dan Mazur, who's amazing and is part of the whole Borat archipelago of comedy. And uh, this producer named Dan Hine, who's unbelievable. And we had, a, and he said, why don't we, I'll hire a couple of great writers I know. So we'll have a little room going and we'll just rewrite the whole movie so that we can get greenlit. And I was like, great. So I flew to London and it ended up working. We ended up getting a great draft by the end of the week. Um, but you and I, but I was keeping odd hours because it's hard to adjust when you're flying from LA. Um, and then you and I started talking and you were the, you were, were you, were you the best? The I was the best person? Person, yeah. Uh, at my friend Pat's wedding. And um, I was sort of live tweeting how gross casinos are <laughs> right at and you you chimed in and you were like this is an emotional roller coaster and i'm here for it and um somehow we got on the topic of you like blackjack i do i do and i'm a shitty gambler i excel at losing money um <laughs> but somehow it transpired that you a stranger venmoed me also a stranger enough money you you said uh i looked up the thread um I implicitly trust you with 40% of my net worth. I and said then I that. proceeded to use, <laughs> I think it was $75. Um, and then I lost your retirement inside of 35 minutes. Uh, that seems so a thanks. little that, excessive. That, that was the most, 
I bet it would be I've like a hundred dollars or something to gamble as you no, would. No, it wasn't a hundred. I'm telling you, it was seven, seven. I was being cool just now. It was, I don't know, maybe it was like seventy-five dollars. It was seventy-five dollars okay. because yeah. it was, it was such a memorable, weird evening. One would not forget. Right. Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, you called me a surrogate card slinger, which I have not made a profitable career out of. Did I say? Did I say card? Did I say card slinger or card? Because this is, it's funny you should say that because we've had, we had a debate once in the room about, do you remember there was a, we were debating on whether the term is card sharp or card shark. Shark. It's not though. It's not. That's a lie. Okay. So, okay. I can't verify this, but we were talking and George Meyer, who is a brilliant guy, he said, we, we all grew up with the TV show card sharks, but he argued, do you remember the show card sharks? I've never heard of it. There was a blackjack-themed show, or maybe it was poker-themed, called Card Sharks. And he said that that was a, a joke title and a parody of the term Card Sharps with a P. Oh, a person who makes money by cheating at card games, also a card sharp. Weird. Isn't that weird? I've learned a lot Isn't in that just weird? the last 10 seconds. Yeah, very weird. Card sharp seems like it'd be like the British version. Yes, I think so. I think, and I think that may be true, but it's funny that those two things both exist. Yeah. Um, you said you sport, you, you like to bet on sports. What in the hell have you been betting on? No, you know, lately year? we used, I mean, at the, at the Simpsons, we used to have a pretty active NFL betting pool, both on games. And then we all went a little bit crazy with, um, uh, fantasy football um and then but then that kind of faded away and especially this year it's very hard to get ex i mean it doesn't even feel like the sports are real now because no one's in the stands i mean thank god they're not in the stands but it just yeah, yeah. my interest in in sports has just dwindled and i'm certainly not doing any betting do you have any replacement hobby um just 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 laying around i'm just doing so much <laughs> laying around yeah. Oh, so the exchange you were working on that you were in London working on the exchange, yeah, which you you called an odd coming of age comedy based on your experience growing up in a tiny town in Canada. Yes. Um, okay, everybody has a side hustle, right? Obviously, I'm talking to you on on this ridiculous podcast. Uh -huh, yeah. And then I do the voiceover as well. You're my lucky charm, by the way. I got not one, not two, but three voiceover jobs, like 20 minutes before we had this call. Are you serious? We're going to talk every day this way from now on forever. What are you, what are you doing talking to me? <laughs> I, I got to record all this shit after. Okay. <laughs> but oh, anyway. so you can do it after we after we get off the phone. After uh, yeah. We the, well, I have till Zoom? tomorrow. I have till okay. tomorrow. Gotcha. But um, you can you can do it at your leisure. They're not going to direct you live. Okay. No, sir. Cool. Which is nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. Um. Anyway, side hustle. Even you, a five-time Emmy award, five-time Emmy award winner. Yep. And Peabody Award winner. I can show. This is well. You you don't you don't publicize. This would be super obnoxious if I turn the camera around. You would see two Emmys. I let's see it. Is there just a, two? Do you get the other sort of like other one three, in the bathroom? The other three are in my uh, bed. Are in my office. <laughs> no, they're not in my bed. Okay. What's cool is like okay. Watch this. Can you see the Emmys? Yeah, la di da. La di da. Yeah. Okay. And then switch All it. All two. All two, and then three in my office. What I wonder is, like, 
How do you come home from your day job writing The Simpsons and have enough energy to write an entire movie? Oh, well, partly it was because at the time I was a consulting producer. And so I had Wednesdays and Fridays off, which made life a lot easier. Um, and I don't know. I, and I was a younger, more energetic man back then. And um, I don't know. I just I just had this uh, burning desire to do this other thing. And I think that, I mean, generally, I feel like the, 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 they don't cannibalize each other. I think they enhance each other. Like if you're writing, like when I took time off to write the movie, I came back and I think I was a better Simpsons writer because it just, it just, you're, it's slightly different muscles. Um, and I've, you know, I've written a lot of magazine stuff and blah, 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 and written pilots and stuff. And I feel like it all just contributes to my skill set, I guess, as silly as that sounds. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it started as like a spoken word thing at a like a backyard event. Yeah, I mean, it did. It did. I want to get. I don't want to give too much about. I don't want to give away too much about it because I think I'm hoping that the movie will come out soon. I don't want to. I want to be a little mysterioso about the subject matter. But deal. yeah, it was based. A, it was sort of, sort of roughly based on a spoken word thing I did, and then um, I was a pro. It was the spoken word thing was. Um, it was organized by one of the agents at CAA, this wonderful woman named Ann Blanchard. And then she hooked me up with this producer in England that I had worked with before, the aforementioned Dan Hine. And he said, why don't we develop this into a movie? And um, that's what we did. And I wrote, we wrote a pitch and we did 80 iterations of the pitch. And then we sold the pitch as a movie. And then we did 300 versions of the, of the script. <laughs> and then eventually they went and shot the thing. Yeah, you did. I've seen it. I'm so I know happy you've I've seen it. Seen it. Oh, okay. Like, and I, ho I hope the world sees it in 2021. Everything they, is delayed. They will, damn it. Yeah, they will. They will. Of course, yeah, it was, it was fun to share the experience with you. You were one of the people I most wanted to see it. Thanks. I'm, <laughs> I'm flattered. Good. You, you're literally like one of the kindest, most genuine people I've met. And, and it kind of shocks me because you come from a long time comedy background like you missed the jaded asshole lesson oh what is I, that from oh well that's very kind of you there's plenty of jaded asshole in me and you don't oh, okay never you, mind if, if you knew me just a shade more you would know what's there but uh <laughs> i don't know like you you have a kind of a sunny disposition that sort of brings it out in me because you you combine being uh a razor sharp funny lady to also but also being a very sweet and sincere person so i feel like uh you bring it out in me a little bit Oh, well, gee, well, you didn't know about this next segment that's coming up, so maybe you'll change. What's all the that. new segment? Oh no, what is it? Yeah, it's called Canadian Metric System Quiz. Okay, sure. Let's hit hit me. Wherein every answer is correct, because I'm a dumb American. Oh, okay, sure. Hit so me. you can literally say anything, and I'll believe you. Okay, good. All right. The temperature in New York City right now is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. What is that in Celsius? Easy zero. No, 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 no. It's, wait a second. No, it's 32 degrees Fahrenheit right now, zero in Celsius. Yeah, you're right. Okay, good. Right. All right. That's no, that was one. not a trick. That was not a trick question. Okay, good. I wanted to, I would just ease you into this. Okay, good. Manhattan, Manhattan is about 13.4 miles from top to bottom. How far is that in kilometers? Um, hmm. I'm going to say. Again, you can literally say anything and I'll believe you. I think it's 7.6. You're, uh, yes. Wow, really? Huh. <laughs> because kilometers are longer, or kilometers, if you, if you will, are longer than miles. 
I think. By, I think. No, 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 they're shorter. They're shorter. So no, if it's 13.4, that means that it, it's probably 20 kilometers. Yes. You are, you're right on the money, 21 kilometers. Okay, good. All right. I, I self-corrected there. Thank God. <laughs> How many grams in a quarter pounder? Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so, all right. This is tough. I Well, a, kilo, a, a kilogram. You're forgetting that you can say anything, and I'll believe you. Yeah, but it, matter, it matters, though. Um, I think a, a kilogram is maybe, god damn, it's maybe two pounds, I want to say. And so a quarter pounder, I'm going to say it's 525 grams. Jesus. Yeah, really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> How much is it? It's 113 grams. Oh, I suck. Okay. <laughs> but if you pour on the poutine. Oh, come on. That's a hate crime. <laughs> I never had poutine. Is, people, it's become known as a national, as a Canadian food, but it's really a French Canadian food. We never ate it growing up. In my, it's super gross. Let's be honest. I mean, it's good. If, if you're super drunk and you're a 21 year old supermodel, it's great. Otherwise, you just feel like death. Okay. Because supermodel in that you throw it up afterward? No, just in the sense that you're hearty and, and healthy and, and you're not already and your arteries aren't already completely clogged. Oh, I don't think you know any supermodels. I don't know any. And I was actually reaching for just like Olympic athletes. Like I think <laughs> like Michael Phelps could probably eat a huge bucket full of poutine no problem because he used to, he remember he used to eat like fifteen thousand calories 1, a day calories yeah yeah monster yeah. yeah um how many pints of labats in a liter oh no idea no idea i'm gonna say seven <laughs> yeah correct thank you how many cups of tim horton's coffee is equal to one sorry super gross starbucks venti which you're drinking and i feel real awkward about this now uh I guess one, right? I mean, I, I used to get Canadians love this thing called a double double, which is okay. like a, a Canadian truckers love a double double, which is just a large Tim Hortons coffee, double cream, double sugar. I mean, that's effectively pudding, no? Which is funny because, like, yeah, Canadians love that for some reason. But yet, my parents never, not only did my parents not put milk or sugar into their coffee, they claimed that they'd never heard of anyone putting milk or sugar into their coffee. So like when I came home from college and I just had become a coffee drinker and I put some milk and sugar in my coffee, it was like I was pouring a bucket of molasses in my coffee. They were like, what are you doing? It was weird. <laughs> After paper and aerospace technology, what is the number one product Canada churns out? Uh, paper and aerospace technology? Comedy? Comedy? Damn it. That was meant to be. That was my joke. Damn it. I was going to okay, say, sorry. no, I'm sorry. It's comedy writers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of us, three of them on the Simpsons staff alone. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, because we're alienated and unhappy and that's our outlet. Unless oh, you, can, unless you have an amazing slap shot and go into the hockey trade, you're going to be a comedy writer. Okay. Noted. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's move on to Latchkey Kids Drama Club, wherein you, my guest, are now forced to read... In a dramatic styling, your TV show theme song. Okay, so I, this has a little bit of a drum roll to it. So the, the movie that we mentioned, The Exchange, was it's about my experience with a French exchange student. It's heavily dramatized and everything's changed, but it's uh, it, the genesis of it was my experience with a French exchange student coming to visit me in Canada in the 1980s. 
What the movie doesn't cover is when I went to France to stay with his family. Maybe that'll be the sequel. But um, there were so many cultural differences, which, uh, which I found fascinating. Because I went to France thinking, oh, it's going to be, we're going to be talking about existential literature. We're going to go to the Louvre every day. It's going to all be very fancy. But it turns out this family I stayed with, lovely and smart as they were, they had the same dumb taste that we did, and sometimes dumber. <laughs> and so every Saturday, every Sunday afternoon, the whole family, like a standing family, would come over for a huge meal. The Sunday afternoon meal was like a one or two. It was a feast that lasted two hours. And while eating, they would watch their favorite TV show, which was Starsky and Hutch. In 19, <laughs> this was like 10 years after it had been on the air in America. It became a huge hit in France. And they couldn't, they'd be like, oh my God, you must watch it all the time. It's like, no, because it's been off the air for a decade. Like, no. <laughs> and I never watched it even when it was on because who would watch it? was. I think my sister watched it because she's a little older than me and she thought that the guys were cute, but it's not a good show. I'm just going to go out and say that. But they dubbed it. Um, Wait, what's the premise? The premise of, of Starsky and Hutch? Yeah, I'm sorry to say, I re- I mean, I'm aware of the show. Oh, it was I know my, supposed to I know be, my it, mom watched it. Okay, Starsky and Hutch was about uh, these guys, Starsky and Hutch, who were like great. They were super cool L.A. Dete- plainclothes detectives who fought crime and busted drug dealers and stuff. And for, it was a little bit, it was, it was, its calling card was that it was gritty. It was about the inner, inner city, but these guys were both uh, like white guys. And they didn't really explore the sort of the, the racial dynamics were questionable because most of the people that they arrested were not white guys, but they had this, in, but then they would, they had this cool car and they were very cute. It was playing, orange, right? Yeah. I, something like that. Something yeah. like that. It was sort of, it was vaguely phallic looking and they were played by these two guys, David soul and Paul Michael Glazer. And so people would have like Starsky and Hutch lunch boxes and stuff like they loved it like so kids liked it it was around the same time as as charlie's angels it wasn't as big as charlie's angels but it had the similar vibe of like really good looking cops busting crime in a in a in a kind of like gritty urban setting and there was also another character named huggy bear who was this guy who was sort of part of the criminal underground in la but who was also kind of their informant so he was playing both sides of the fence got it okay so and the theme song in America was just an instrument, like an exciting, hard driving instrumental theme. In France, they wrote a whole other theme song that had lyrics, which I remember thinking, this is the dumbest song I've ever heard in my life. And I, it seared in my memory. And, the, and like 33 years ago now, I remember listening to these lyrics and thinking, I'm going to make a friend named Sarah Sweeney. <laughs> She's gonna do yes, a podcast. Yes. I don't. I didn't know what a podcast was, but I'm gonna do a podcast, and I'm gonna go on a podcast, and I'm gonna recite the lyrics to Starsky and Hutch in French. Oh in my! Both, in both French and English. Um, are you ready? Uh, oh, I'm ready. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna recite each verse first in French and then and then English. Okay, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay. By the way, the show. Guess what the show Starsky and Hutch was called in France. Le Starsky it's, and it was Hutch? called. It was called Starsky A. Hutch. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, so here's the here we go. Here we go. Okay, Starsky A. Hutch, Starsky A. Hutch, 
Les nouveaux chevaliers au grand cœur, qui, mais qui n'ont jamais peur de rien. And that in, that's Starsky and Hutch, Starsky and Hutch. New knights with big hearts who are never afraid of anything. So that's the first verse. Okay, second verse. Starsky et Hutch, Starsky et Hutch. Deux flics un peu rêveurs et rieurs, mais qui gagnent toujours à la fin. That's Starsky and Hutch, Starsky and Hutch. Two cops who are a little dreamy and laugh a lot, but who always win in the end. Quand les bandits sont tous en cavale, en voiture c'est poursuite infernale, mais Uggy c'est où ils sont cachés pour les arrêter. Okay, so in English that's, when the bandits are all on the run, in the car it's hellish pursuits. The Huggy Bear knows when, where they are hidden to stop them. And that's it. That's and then there's a that's the theme song. Uh, but then there's another verse at the end because they're always there's always a B story where they're fighting over a woman. Um, <laughs> of course. Uh, so they at the end it goes, "Quand il y a une fille entre les deux, il accepte les règles du jeu, mais rien ne pourra jamais briser une telle amitié." So that's when there's a girl in between them, they accept the rules of the game, but nothing can ever break such a strong friendship. That's Starsky Ayaj. Thank you. Wow, Tim. Was that weird? That was that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you really like, elevated this podcast by making it bilingual. I know it's weird, but I was just I got a little tense because I thought, well, I know you've only had three or four people on the show so far, but what if they pick nobody? I just was pretty confident that nobody has, had chosen the French language version of Starsky and Hutch. Thank you. You're so welcome. Well, this has been a delight. Uh, amen. Thanks for joining me. Always My, wonderful hanging out with you. Always. And I hope we can do it again in person soon. One one day soon. Yeah, we're getting indoor dining back uh, like two weeks from now. For no reason. For no for reason. For no reason. Because we're, we're gonna, cold. We have, outdoor, we have outdoor dining now. Yes, Los Angeles, we know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shut up with your backyards and your fun hey, fancy I, I grew up. I grew up buried in snow. I earned this. <laughs> I grew up in New England. I you know grew you up did. Parallel to Duluth. Big deal. Yeah, it's true. All right. It's a draw. Big thanks to Tim Long for joining me today. Find him on Twitter at Mr. Tim Long. That's M-R Tim Long. Tune into The Simpsons Sundays at 8 on Fox. Everybody knows that. And look out for The Exchange, which will hopefully come out later this year. Latchkey Kids is produced by Night Shift Radio, a modern media company specializing in creating and cultivating original podcasts. Our director of content is Michael Fight, which is most definitely not his real name. Our director of operations is Caleb Coy. Kitsy is our director of production with design help from Debbie Bostwick. Find me, Sarah Sweeney, on Twitter at Hey Sarah Sweeney.